morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Stargazer, another episode of Right Here from the Humanity Podcast. I'm here, Jermaine, with my wonderful co-host, Mark. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Excellent, excellent stuff. How's, how's it going, Mark? All good? You're yeah. in? It's all good, it's all good. I'm doing a... I'm doing well in the sunshine today in the UK. Fantastic. What about yourself, Jermaine? Yeah, I've I've been out in the sun today. It's been uh, it's been nice, a nice little uh, cheery vibe, cheery Good. vibe this morning. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of gratitude in the air. I feel. I hope so. Thank you for spending some time with me. And uh, to spend time with the best podcaster this side of Brighton, I'm happy. Very happy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to speaking with Cassandra London, who will be joining us very shortly. Wow. Looking forward to that. She'll be talking about her music, her, some of her story, and also about her new single, which is out today at 4 p.m. Wow. Um, she's got a video that she's been working on that uh, no doubt she'll kind of touch on some of the experiences of putting all of that together. Um how exciting. And yeah, we'll uh, maybe even get to hear a little bit of the track and, uh, about what else is to come. Um, this single um, is part of the Black Awareness Project that she's a part of. And um, she's had a, a number of interviews on radio um, at the, over the last couple of weeks. Okay. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it'll be great to catch, catch her at a time when something new is coming out and you know this is what this series is all about stargazers um and i just heard that cassandra has just joined us wow bro, bro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed you? to have like like sound effects going off like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm here with my co-host mark um oh, welcome yeah. to the Welcome to the Stargazers series. Um, Stargazers is all about talent that's breaking or up and coming and, and shining a light or allowing them to shine their light, rather, um, and kind of talk about who they are as a person and about their music and we'll just explore and have a little bit of a conversation, really. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes, considering the news Indeed. of this week and what you're a part of. So, yeah. Um, Let's let so um, just to say, Jermaine, that you've missed out one important factor. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's also about having fun. We love to have fun on here. Excellent. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Sounds like I'm in a good place. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <I'm> so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. So, um, Cassandra, let's let's talk about the new single because because this this is coming out today, right? It is, yes. Excellent, excellent. 4pm. So, it's called They Don't Know. Um, no. And... You've actually oh. got the two titles in one. It's a double single release, and one song is called I Wanna Know, and the second song is called They Don't Care. Oh, right. Okay, brilliant. So we got two singles then. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so... Let's 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 talk about it, it being a part of the Black Awareness Project. So, 
yeah. what what's that about and then we can kind of go into how the songs kind of came into fruition okay so the black awareness project is more or less self-explanatory it's to raise awareness <laughs> Yes, because it seems like much of the world um, doesn't seem to appreciate what we still have go, gone, we still go through, and what we've gone through has still got us, makes us still be in the position that we're in. Like we don't have the head start that many other people have. Um, so yeah, that's that's what it's about, um, basically. Okay. And I've done two songs around that. Mm. Yeah. So what was the what was the link between, you know, what you said the that the idea is to the song? Like what was the the evolution towards that song then? Okay. So that that those songs came into fruitation. Um, I guess it, you could say it was inspired from the George Floyd events. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. that sparked a lot of debate. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could even um, drop in the Meghan Markle events uh, because that also created a lot of debate. And I used to witness so much things being said online um, when articles were posted uh, by newspapers. And, you know, you'd see some diabolical comments. Some people Mm -hmm. are blatant racist. Some people are Mm -hmm. undercover racist. And a lot of them were just clueless. And really felt that how can racism still exist if we've got Beyonce and we've got Jay Z and, and Obama was the president? Like they think that we're playing victim, and I think a lot of them genuinely believe it because they can't see. So that's kind of what inspired me to write those songs. Okay, and and with the songs, yeah. How do they? T- how do, I wouldn't say tackle that, but how do they amplify that then? Okay, so. Um, I want to know is it talks about what we experience and have experienced as black people. Mm-hmm. Um, it also talks about um, the way that we've been taught not to love ourselves. Yeah. Um, so instead of like just saying, oh, this has happened to us and this happened to us, we ask in questions. We ask, have you ever been through this? Or have you ever, you know, and my verse is made up of have you ever and then in the chorus i'm saying i want to know i want to know if you've ever experienced this and then in the song featuring a jamaican artist called justin abartala and then he touches on some more political side of things and he's like have you ever da, 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 i want to know and that's that's the um the angle that song's coming from the second song is more to do with police brutality and okay. it's called they don't care and basically it's like because it's happening to us and it's not happening to people that look like them they don't care the government don't care it's okay because it's us but we won't give up fighting Mm. yeah yeah okay sorry go Go ahead mark well I, i wanted to sort of um because like on here, when we've, we've been encouraged or asked uh, um, people to come on, we, we like to get a little backdrop of where they started, how they got to where they are, so to speak. Okay. Because what you're raising is some really important questions. 
and sort of like, so where did it all begin? Where did you grow up? You know, what were your influences? Um, I suppose the best question to start with is who are your musical influences? Okay, so um, growing up as a child, I'm, I'm actually mixed race. Um, okay. I, I, I identify more of the black side, not mm -hmm. because I disregard my white side, but because that's who I've grown around more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just put that out there. <laughs> I grew up mm -hmm. on reggae music. That mm -hmm. was, in my household, that was all that was played. So you know, Dennis Brown. Okay. Um, Money in my pocket, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and you still can't get no love. Frankie Paul with his issues with Sarah. Oh um, yes. <laughs> you know, um, Sanchez. Um, yeah, just just reggae music, um, yeah. Mike Diamonds, da, 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 da. and when I went to secondary school, that's when my influence changed to R. Where were you? Sorry, where were you oh, at school? Okay, so I grew up in Battersea. Okay, it right. sounds yeah. posher than it is. I mean, you've got your posh bits, but it's you, in between each posh road, you've got like an estate with loads of tower blocks. <laughs> so I worked, I worked in Vauxhall Cross uh, with homeless people. Yeah. And Battersea was literally down the road. It was literally a short walk. And I, I very quickly discovered exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it's not the, the beautiful, wonderful image that it has on the media. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, so you grew up there and is that where you went to school? I went to school, yes, in primary school. Primary school, I went to school in Battersea. Secondary school, okay. I went to school in Fulham. Fulham? Yes. Mm. Okay. I mean, it sounds far, but it's like... It does sound far. When you cut two estates in Battersea and you just walk over Wandsworth Bridge, you're in... Oh, OK, OK, OK. But you had to do all that in the morning, every morning, basically. Yeah. OK, that's quite, that is quite a journey to school, to be fair. Yes, no, but you know, it was yeah. I got to meet different types of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. What were there a lot of like local kids going to your school from your area as well? Yeah, there was a few. Yes, I wouldn't say there was a lot. A lot of most of them came from West London. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So this was in the days before postcode wars and all that stuff. I mean, I get well. No, not really. But oh, okay. I mean. We didn't call it postcode wars. It was just like Brixton against. And... It was ends in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, like, well, yeah you're not from the ends. It was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, schools used to be against schools. I remember um, there was a school that came down to our school to beat us up. I mean, I'm not sure who exactly. If it was just if we just go to the school, if it was a particular, it was crazy. But yeah, that's what happened. So, I mean, you sound, your experiences sound similar to mine at school, but you sound about 30 years younger. So it's kind of weird to hear you talk like that because you sound closer to Jermaine's age yet. Oh, wow, thank yeah. you. But all the memories you're talking about, I remember from my days, this, you know, before postcodes and, you know, school fight in school yeah. and all that stuff. It's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, and, then, and then these youngsters, they seem to think that we just don't get it and we're out of touch. Yeah. But we don't realize. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, when I was going to school, we had like skinheads and 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 football fans and everyone trying to attack you. So it was kind of like he didn't know oh. who. He had no idea who was on the train with you, and oh. uh, if you survived each day, you were happy. So 
they don't get it, and that's fine because they didn't grow up in that area, so that's it's different. Yes. Um, so, uh, with your family, um, I'm interested to explore, like, what you learned from your mixed mixed heritage. So, so for example, where where was your father from? Where was your mother from? Etc. That sort of thing. What did you grow up learning about their cultures? Yeah, it's really strange because I think the one of the reasons why I identify with my black side more as well is because um, my mum's mom, my white, right? But she. Yeah brought up by a Jamaican dad. Wow. So okay. my white side wasn't really my white side. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It was really... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, totally. um, and my dad was from Barbados. Um, but he he wasn't about... I mean, I knew who he was and, you know, I got to see him, but he wasn't really a big part of my life until I was a teenager and started singing. Oh, Okay. And what about his parents or, you know, you like the grandparents on both sides? Did you see them or? It was all down to him. So it wasn't that much. Oh, okay. Family okay. Events, he would come and grab me and bring me down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be around all these strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, you know, before you were like, say, 15, did you end up going anywhere to do with your heritage in terms of travel and things like that? No, no, no. It wasn't a big travelling family at all. So right. no. Yeah. Just so trying to get. So we like to get a feel of the people we're talking to. You know what I mean? So. Yes. No. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. So, um. What's it called? Growing up, to be honest. Um. Yeah. It was just mainly. Um. Jamaican influence. Mm -hmm. Because of my um my mum's, who I call granddad. It was never step. And that was always granddad, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was the main main culture that I grew up under. And who were your role models? Like, you know, growing up, we always think about the people that in the, like, let's say, in the media, that influence us in terms of motivation, ideas and things like that. Who, who did you look to? Interesting question. I don't think I had many... Role models as a child, to be I think um those those um role models kind of developed later in life. Okay, you know, okay. After I went through a few struggles, and mm. I'd seen other people go through struggles and still achieve things, and and you know, freedom fighters were inspiring. Rosa Parks was inspiring. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, the inspirations came later. When I was young, I guess I was naive. Well, most people are young, uh, when they're young, they're naive. It's, yeah. it's what their influences are, yeah, isn't it? I didn't so, have any, not, no one really inspired me. I just didn't right, right. think about life that way. I just, I just, I just was, if that makes sense. Well, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, absolutely. Terms, like, uh, like friendship circles or, or people that were, you were close to, like who, who were those people that were close Yeah, no, see, I had terrible trust issues. I went through quite some traumatic events as a child, to be honest. And wow. it, yeah, it made me have developed really major trust issues. Um, so it was hard to develop deep and meaningful mm. relationship growing up. Mm. That came later. <laughs> so how did you challenge that in terms of like, because it must be hard to live with at such an early age, not be able to trust most people. Yes, well, I actually had to have counselling. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so that's what kind of helped me. And I had the counselling quite late in life. I didn't realise I had all of these issues <laughs> until I 
a book and I was, like, I was reading the introduction and I was in floods of tears because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm reading about myself. I thought yeah. everybody else was the problem and not me. Um, and yeah, that kind of led to... So what was the book you read? Sorry, did you say the name? It was, it's a, it's a book called Breaking Free. Um, okay, Breaking Free. I can't remember the... the, the... No, people can, if they want to, they can search out for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, were there any songs, because I asked Jermaine this when we talked about him growing up, Are there, were there any songs that you remember, like, in your youth that kind of made you feel better about yourself or, or you know, that you, know, you said you look for freedom. Uh, were there songs of freedom that you listened to, anything like that? Not really, no. All music, no, okay. um, yeah, all music that had good melody and that I could sing along to was an escape for me. So, right. okay, music, so you use music, music as your escape. Itself was my, yeah. Okay. So when, if I, if I can ask, when did you start singing? Um, I started singing along to music in my bedroom while my mum was blow, blaring it out. She'd always play music loud, so I was able to sing without it being heard. I was right. very shy and wouldn't sing in front of anybody. Um, okay. At the age of about 14, we went to a caravan park holiday. Uh, okay. And there was a talent show. Okay. And um, I must say, before this happened, I was singing around, had headphones on and was singing along to something, not realising I was singing out loud. And my auntie was making jokes about my singing and was like, oh, my gosh, who's strangling the cats? Yeah, that's not nice. <laughs> so I didn't think I could sing. But we was on this, hol um, this holiday anyway, and I decided to enter the talent show mm -hmm. because it's something that I always wanted to do. I used to write songs, you know, from the age of five upwards. Yeah. Yeah, so... so th this was something that you took upon yourself? Yeah, you? well, basically... Like your, your parents, parents, did your parents when know? I, when I was singing along to the songs that my mum was playing, I used to play around with the words and change the words. Oh, wow. That was the, my first experience of writing songs. Okay, um, okay. And then... Yes, yeah, so I decided to enter this talent show and I didn't tell my mum that I was entering. She didn't know until I got called up and I won. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Oh, well. So that kind of gave me the confidence to sing in public now. And then after that, no one could really shut me up and everyone would be like, oh, I'm and I'd be like, but I'm going to be a famous singer. Da -da 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 -da. You know, Um that was it, really. Well, <laughs> so that brilliant. gave you that boost of confidence, then, surely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it really, really sounds like like all of the the naysayers. You were like, "Nope, I won this competition now, so yes. I know I'm good. So yeah. I'm onto something." Jermaine, oh. <laughs> I'm going to give you two guesses. What she sang in the talent contest? Go on. No, you have to guess two songs. You might think of four uh, things she might have sung. Oh. <laughs> Possibly Whitney Houston. You're close. You are very oh, close. Ooh, ooh. Like when when people say Whitney Houston, and then like there used to be a debate, oh, this one's my favourite. Oh, no, that one's my favourite. And it was always mm -hmm. Whitney Houston and mm -hmm. who? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I'm thinking Mariah Carey. It, it was Mariah Carey, yeah. Good yeah. shout, Jermaine. That's brilliant. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's why he's the best podcaster. Seriously. <laughs> um, which, which song did you sing? Dream Lover. Wow. 
Right. That's a that's a very courageous thing to do at 14. <laughs> wow, you must have some voice. <laughs> I, I'm all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dusting really? off my shoulder right now. <laughs> yeah, for real. No, seriously, at 14, I don't know many. I've worked with loads of kids. I work with kids in care and at schools. I don't know many that would have tried that at 14, to be fair. Um, so, first of all, big congratulations for winning it and for even trying it. That's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Probably. I probably. was a bit brave, I suppose. Yeah. What was your next step from there then? Getting a little bit of confidence like that, what was your next step? Yeah, my next step was like constantly singing, like I said. And then there was a um, time when I was singing in my bedroom and my next door neighbour said, oh, we've got this concert happening at the school, um, my child's school. We'd love for you to sing there. So I was like, yeah, so I was like, oh, that would be amazing. And it was at a, a child's primary school. And I sang there. Wow. So, it was so funny because I, I got myself a couple of backing singers <laughs> and so forth. And then actually after I sang there, the little children were coming up to me with bits of pen, uh, with a pen and bits of paper asking me for my autograph. No way, are you serious? Listen, <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. And then there was a... Yeah a dad that was there and he knew someone who worked at Arista Records and wow. yeah it was amazing and he basically set up a meeting and they were yeah they came to see me perform I performed at um a, was it a talent show yeah competition a talent competition um I don't know if you remember when Commander B used to have his night flight on Choice FM I don't um, know yeah, he, he, he do it about two o'clock, one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. So you'd have to stay up really late. And then yeah, okay. on the phone, try not to wake up the household. <laughs> and if, if, if you're good, you get like, da, 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 da. and if you're rubbish, you get the toilet flush. And I got through and then I uh... went to the big auditions and then I got through to the top 10. And that's the, the performance where Arista came to see me perform. Oh, wow, okay led to me getting a five album contract um offer um how old were you i was 15 at the time wow that was hold a year on, after on, the on, talent show hold on hold on hold on yeah. you said a five album i know okay. right i know okay at 15 at 15 yeah i mean i thought that i was going to you know tour the world i thought i was yeah. the next best thing um yeah I had money stars, money signs in my eyes, should I say. And yeah, my mum got the contract looked up by lawyers and they was like, this contract is, is a mess. If you sign this, you're signing your life away. Okay, okay. Um, so they said, look, set up a, a negotiation deal mm -hmm. and try and basically negotiate the contract. And when they realised that's what we were trying to do, the offer was off the table. They wasn't interested anymore. Uh, so, they couldn't own you. Yeah, so I guess their intentions weren't pure, but that kind of, I, I was really upset with my mum because I told all my friends, you know, I told all my friends that I was going to have, like, a different car for every day of the week. So, <laughs> you know, like, I saw the end, end goal, you know what I'm saying? And then my mum just... And now my mum was like, oh, no, but you heard what the lawyer said. I said, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, mum. I can just imagine uh, a teenager saying that as well, you know. 
seriously. And um, for many years after that, I actually felt like I would never get an opportunity again, you know. Oh, really? Okay. Did yeah. it not affect that much, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. I mean, I still did music, but I just didn't see myself. I f yeah, we don't get, well, in my surroundings, I didn't see many opportunities. No, no, no. You know, um, but then shortly after that, I was managed by the same person who used to manage some of So Solid before they became So Solid. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, the, um, the owner, but the creator of So Solid, who is Mega Man, it was his uncle, and he used to manage him, um, a guy called Seth, and a guy called Shane, and they used to be in a boy group and used to sing. They was okay. And he managed me as well. So we used to go and perform places and go to the studio a lot. Um, that was fun. And then... You used to do a lot of this? songs together. Sorry? You used to do... Did you do any songs together? No, we didn't. They was their own... We were just on the same management. Um, it was this full-time for you at the time? Um, no, it wasn't because I was going college and that stuff. So oh, you kept up college as well as doing all that as well? Yes, yes. Because... Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was just a known thing that I had to do. Like I couldn't just do music unless it was um, a contract. Unless you got a proper contract. Yeah, unless it was more fruitful. Um, my mom's yeah. like, I have a backup plan. Um, and I, I didn't really, I, I, although I was going college, I wasn't really um, applying myself because in my no. mind, having a backup plan meant you didn't believe in what you was doing. Do you know? What yeah, I'm saying? yeah, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, it's crazy because. Um, I was pregnant at the age of 18. Wow. That was around the time when So Solid started doing, like, raves and they was had, like, a radio station and they was right. gaining a lot of momentum. Right. And because I knew them, most of them, I just felt like I would get that call, like, oh, come and sing with us or whatever, and they just bypassed me like I didn't exist. That was a... Really? Yeah, that was a bit of pill to swallow as well. Seeing their success, obviously, I'm happy for them. When I see them in the streets, um, a few times they'll be like, oh, take my number, we've got to do some work together, da 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 And I'd be like, yeah, it sounds good. And I'd get excited. Um, I'd call them up, and they'd answer the phone, like, and they'd say, oh, can I call you back? Yeah, sure. No call back. When I call them back to see, because I'm thinking, oh, they're probably busy, give them another call. Call back, like, in about a month's time. No answer. Anytime after our phone, it's like, oh, they know it's me. This is how I was seeing it. Oh, they know it's me now. So now they're yeah, not. Yeah. You know, but then I think, oh, but why tell me that you're going to do this? It's not like I saw them and be like, oh, yeah, let's do some stuff together. Because I don't, I've never been a person to ask for things up until lately. <laughs> now I don't mind. I'll ask whoever. <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. Um, That's what Jermaine yeah. taught me that. Yeah, but in those days, I, didn't like asking because I didn't like rejection. I feared rejection. So I would mm. never ask for anything. Uh. Um, but yeah, that, that was another bit of pill to swallow, <laughs> you know, that they... they wow, went quite for. a lesson you're having so far, isn't it? Yeah, in my yeah. opinion, they went for someone who looked better than me, but can't, can't sing. So, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah no definitely. No to, to anyone, but it is what it is. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's quite apparent because... They could have had much deeper singers. Yeah, I mean, they, they were in a way people look at them now not with the depth that other other music would have because yeah. they probably made those choices. 
perhaps yeah i didn't look at it like that but yeah possibly because i think of other people around at the time and they were given more kudos because they had more musical depth if you know what i'm saying yeah maybe i mean so solid were a big part of the music industry they yeah. to have a crew that big be able yeah. to take over the charts there was a time when they was dominating you know and that was inspirational for many people up and down the country because black music, it, se it did seem like if you're from England and doing black music, you're not really going to get nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in America, we had a lot of influence of black artists. So they may not have had the depth in their music, but they definitely inspired so many people to show that it actually can be done. I think that was really important as well because obviously being black, living in Birmingham, so I wasn't even in London at this time. And when So Solid kind of came to the forefront, they were in the chart. It was like, what? They're from the UK. Yeah. They're doing Grap Garage. Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they were everywhere. They were yeah. like booked for shows all over the UK. I'm not sure if they ended up doing festivals. They must have done a, a, a whole of yeah, festivals. But um, yeah, and then came the the whole thing with um, what was it the the thing with the police the section? Yeah, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it, the 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 measure that the police took, which led to a lot of these events shutting down. Yes, um, and that was kind of a bit deflating the music yeah. scene it was but then it was the birth of grime yeah true it was the birth of grime and it was like um when so solid was kind of fading out you kind of had north star and then you had like channel u channel u was very um big in in getting music out there as well mm. so, yeah you know as one door closes another opens doesn't it so mm. yeah yeah um yeah, that that that's awesome. So, like, I think you're sort of from my generation, which would be kind of called the MTV generation. So, like, your channel use and your AKAs. And um, do you remember something called dubstep drama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, you have a lot. We share a lot of the same sort of memories of that period of time. Um did you did you ever like did you travel out of London at all like as a child? Oh, you experience yeah. anything outside? Yeah. Um, like well, yeah, family around the country or no, 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 not like that. Just just on like caravan holidays, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice, nice. Um, and was that like a, a family ritual or tradition kind of thing? No, just something we did when my mum could afford it. There was a lot of us in the household, so travelling abroad and also not having the support of my dad made it difficult for us, you know. My mum had um, five of us, so... Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember it being a very London thing to go caravan parks. Like, people, where I was, everyone always used to head over to Essex ways to go to these caravan parks. Okay. And it was, it was just very much like... Um, I want to get away from the summer, but I can't really afford to go to the beach. So it was always that, really. And Butlins, okay. a lot of Butlins, and, and um, there was another Haven, Haven Holiday. Yeah, that's where, that's where I won the competition at Haven Holiday. Yeah, but I remember, because uh. when you said the talent show, I remember them doing all that stuff, because they would do a formula over the week, because yeah. family usually came for a week. Yeah. So you'd have like 
couple of times on Friday, talent show on a Saturday. You know, it was all like, it was all yeah. formulated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Games for the kids and all that. Yeah. So, so you reminded me of you when you said that because I at that time I was taking children who were in care to these places for the summer. Oh no! And we and we bumped into all these families that were there. Obviously, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but also listening to you talk about your music, um, it was inter- It's an interesting thing for me because I remember when I was growing up, there were a lot of black influences in British music, sort of Aswad and Black Uhuru and um, uh, Still Pulse. Yeah. So at the time, it was quite. You could break into that music if you if you were up and going at the time because yeah. there were so many new bands starting up, and then you had the specials and the beat and all that. So it was a time when we didn't even think there was a problem. But I, hearing you now, it's like clearly the next generation saw it very differently. Yes, well, that's quite that's quite an education for me. Like just listening to you, and I'm sure people my age listening into the podcast will, will understand the difference that would that would make. You know, in a generation. Cool. Um, so, so you're at college and you're touring around uh, as well. What what happened next? Like, what was your next? Okay, so then I, 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 well, after college, I, I mentioned that I became pregnant. I was pregnant yeah, yeah. at eighteen, um, and then I'm seeing the success of of So Solid and not being brought in. So I kind of feel like. That was the time that, that that spurred on my depression, to be honest. Okay. okay. Um, I I did hide it quite well. Um, only a few people would be able to look back and say, "Yeah, you know what? I could tell you was depressed at that time because I did hide it well." Um, I was still studying. I, I went back to college and studied sound engineering, and I was always doing something in the studio, but I just wasn't pushing. My, didn't it? It became a hobby more than a dream then. Because I didn't, I was no longer dreaming. I felt like there was, it was never going to happen for me. Um, so I feel like that's what kind of made me feel depressed as well. Because if I had nothing that I wanted to do, what am I? What is not that, that I had no purpose? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I had many years of depression um, and trying to distract myself from this depression, and then. Yeah, I had quite some dark times. I remember there was where I didn't see any daylight, which was, oh. yeah, I mean, I would wake up. And at, at this time, I had a studio in my home. So I was still okay. doing music. But then, like like I said, I didn't see daylight for a month. And I, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that, but it is. it, it plays with your mind. It really does. Like I was going to sleep as the sun was rising and I was waking up and there was no sun. And mentally, I feel like it kind of messed me up a lot. And I I just found myself like really, I saw an advert on TV. And the advert was for the army, be the best. Yeah. So something in my head said, I want to be the best. Okay. Okay. I laugh now, yeah, but it's really quite sad because how many people get caught up? Well, loads, loads. You know what I'm saying? So I called the number and they had um, an induction um, at the Chelsea Barracks and I went along to the uh, induction and, yeah, I was 
all for it. I was going to join and I was willing to sign there and then. Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah, I was willing to sign there and then. They said, no, take home the paperwork and have a read through it. And when I had a read through it, there were certain phrases in there that just were, were like alarm bells. Um, the, even the, the nickname for the regiment that I was going to be joining, they it was called the Devil's Own. And I was like, oh, like, how can I join something? Like, that just irked my soul. Like, it was just really... And then there was a whole allegiance to the Queen, but it's like, it talks about your blood, like, signing... Wow. Like, I was like, no, 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 this is, this is too much. Like, this is too deep. I didn't realise that joining the army would be such a deep con um, contract. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in writing, like, it was, wow, it was wow. Like, yeah, so then that kind of just made me say no. And then that was the start of me kind of trying to change my life and change the way I feel. I still didn't get counselling at that stage. I was trying to do it by myself. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, and then... So how did you break out the cycle? Because you were in quite a cycle, really, weren't you? I was going to say, and by this time, I'm presuming you would have had a child. Yes, I had a child. Had um, yeah, she. I I decided to let her live with her dad for a while because the place that I was in, I felt like I couldn't take myself out of it and be there for her the way that I needed to. No, totally, totally. Um. So, yeah, she went to live with her dad. I got a lot of judgment for that. Yeah, it, I was going to ask you about yeah, like, that. It was horrible. I mean, I even judged myself. But she was with her dad and she was safe, you know. Um, her yeah, dad... yeah. You have to do better what's best for your daughter. Exactly. You have to. 100%. And her dad lived with his mum. So, so there was a family environment there. And it's not like she was in care. You know? No, no, absolutely. So yeah, as much as um I'd blame myself and beat myself up about it, I did, you know, um look at the other side and be like, you know what, yeah, it was what was best for her. As well, you know, I think there's there's something really positive about that because you've actually managed to at least keep a good relationship with the father. Yes. You know, so if if that relationship had have broken down, yeah, would that have been able to happen? Possibly because he, he he got a flat out, got a flat out of it. Well, I think the other thing though that's important, especially now, yeah. is so many people are on their own through this whole lockdown thing, and what you're what you're talking about is probably going to string true to a lot of people around the world listening to this because they're probably going through dark times right now, yeah. losing relatives and what have you, and also not going out for a long time. Yeah, and listening to you is quite inspirational in as much as you got to the other side of it, because sometimes people don't. 100%, you know, and I feel like um, I could have got out of it easier if I allowed my relationships to be deeper, like my friendships and things like that. But obviously I did speak about my trust issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Walls around me, you know what I'm saying? So everyone would get mm -hmm. to know the joker side of me, but they wouldn't get to know the side of me that will cry in my pillow every night, you know? Yeah. I totally understand that. Totally. Yeah. And um, as I said, um, I picked up that book and I saw it in the library. That's what made me pick up the book. I picked up the book, um, took it from the library, never returned it, got letters, oh. you know, as you do. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, um, it's on the good books. You know, it's on the bad ones, isn't it? Obviously. <laughs> have, have you still got that book? Um, I didn't read it for... She can't say if she's still got it, Joanne. What's the question? No, I still have it. Yeah, I do. I haven't returned it. Um, I paid for mine, though. Um, but, yeah, um, read the book after about two or three years having it in my home, and that's what led me to have um, counselling. And I must say, it's the counselling that really saved saved my life. Um, not because I was going to die or anything, but I wasn't living. I was just merely existing. Like, yeah, it was yeah. like a, it was doom and gloom in my head. It was oh. an, so much anxiety, so much fear, you know. Um, I used to watch a lot of YouTube, the world's going to end, and <laughs> all of this stuff. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just so depressed. Everything was just the rabbit hole. Yes. You know, and there's still a lot of depressing things in life now. But oh, yeah. It's how you look at it. You know, it's that whole empty, half full glass. Thing. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, and the other thing that I find quite sad listening to you, because I've spent a long time working in the care industries before I got into podcasting. And it's frustrating that people, even at school age, don't receive the level of support they should get. Yeah. I find it really frustrating that we know all this. We've known all this for 30 years, and still there aren't the services in place. No. Like even for you to find a counsellor, yeah, wasn't as easy as if it. Let's say if you went to your GP for looking for because you hurt your foot, it's a lot easier to deal with that. No, yeah, is, no. Well, totally. physical health looked at one way and mental health are different. Totally, you know, and then not only that as well. It's like in our community as well, oh, we yeah. tend to use counselling services. Like I grew up like watching TV and seeing like. What I used to say was, you know, white people would get counselling if they broke a nail. They go and see yeah. their therapist, about, you know. But us now, we go through all of this stuff. You know, we've, we're born into, um, you know, carrying the burden of our ancestors. You know, watching things like Roots and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're born oh, with this pressure and burden, but oh. we just carry it. So whereas people might see us as aggressive or whatever they want to label us as, we've not had no outlet of our pain. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I worked with, like I say, a lot of people in, going through things like that. And one thing I always try to say is travel because it, you see things and it yeah. gives you a different perspective. Like when I went to the States, the amount of, for example, young black people who were in counselling was amazing. Yeah. And in England, you wouldn't dream of it. If I said it to someone, they'd say, I'm not mad. I said, yeah. I'm not saying you're mad. I'm saying this is support. And they're like, no, 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 that means you're mad. Whereas in America, it was like standard practice, yeah. even in the black community, to have counsellors. Okay, yeah. That's, that's, that's something I've noticed that's as well. Um, I'm very much an advocate of, of the counselling for therapy, for some form of space that you can go to to just unlo you know, unload yourself of all yeah. of the things that you might be feeling yeah. um it's, you know i think everybody needs that space and like like i say it's broad everybody yeah. should be using these these facilities these accessing these services um i can't think of anything more helpful 100 100 percent. because i don't know about um you know for me personally it's like a lot of the times when i did you know, make wrong choices or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I never really gave myself, I didn't treat myself like I was my best friend, 
You know, totally, totally. like I was my enemy. So I'd yeah. like be very quick to say, oh, you're an idiot or you're so stupid or what's wrong with you? Da, da, da. In my own, that, that's what I'm telling myself, feeding mm. myself that negative energy. And that is a big part of being able to grow um, in a positive way. You have to show yourself love. And that's one thing counseling allowed me to do. It allowed me to say, well, you know, with everything you've been through, it's a wonder, <laughs> you know, it's, it's normal. Like, absolutely. you know, yeah. So it's like, that's, that's what counseling allows you to do without that being that light being shed. You tend to beat yourself up. And when you're beating yourself up, you've got the world that's willing to beat you up, but you're beating yourself up. Like you've got no chance. But also you look to everything else. You look to history for your answers, but suddenly yeah. with, your own mental health, you think, no, no, I'm going to solve it myself. And it's like, well, hold on. Everything else that you've ever done is yeah. based on someone else has learned that process and you've joined in with the learning process they've been through. But with this, you want to deal with it all your own. Yes. I mean, you're only one person. You're only you're one, one person. person. You know? How, how much can you deal with as one person? If I said to you, like, if I said to you, go to the shop for me, um, pay this bill for me, how many things can you deal with on your own Yeah. when, when your head isn't in the right place? Exactly. And this is why it's really, you know, essential that we, we have some people that can kind of support us yes. when we're going through these times. So who who were the people that were supporting you through these through these times or kind of came into supporting you? Mm, to be honest, like like I said, counselling helped. I, I would say counselling was the main thing and music, you know, mm. and I have developed more meaningful relationships. I've got a cousin who she was a big support and she, she used to read passages from books by Maya Angelou and um, T.D. Jakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, they they helped. She, I, I could talk to her about deep and meaningful stuff. Um, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd make everyone who's going through depression read Maya Angelou. She's amazing. She is amazing. She's incredible. And it's amazing how we can read her books and relate to so yeah. many of the things that she's been through. And, you know, yeah, she's just such an inspiration, you know. So, yeah, that's why I said the inspirations came later in life. because. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, hold on. So... You went to counselling, yeah. And like, so we're looking at uh, 2021, the end of uh, March. You're about to release a single. So, where, where, what happened between those two? Okay, so about points? yeah, about six years ago is when I decided that I was going to pursue music professionally. Okay, okay. So I started with open mics because I need. Did I you? Wanted, yeah, I wanted you open mics. I did because. I wanted to gain experience on the stage. Okay. Even though I yeah, had experience years, years ago. I actually did skip over a big part of my life when I was a teenager, where my dad used to carry me around the sound systems and make me sing. Wow. Um, yeah, that was that was good. That was an experience as well. But I just realised I forgot that. So I just quickly went back. But well, let's go forward again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, and then I got in, invited to go to a radio station. Um, 
because oh, yeah, yeah. one of those videos of the open mics I posted on my social media and this DJ called Gussie Roots saw it and he was like, come and do an interview. And I was like, but I don't have any music out. He's like, it don't matter. You can come on the radio and sing and we can appeal for producers to me to work with. So I was like, hey, that sounds good. So I went on the radio station, done an interview, um, sang live. And then he said, producers wow. that want to get, get in contact. And then the producer called Star Vibes contacted me um, and then he took me to Stingray Studios and then that's kind of how I got into singing. Um, Do you remember how many people have absolutely acknowledged your talent? So far in the story, at least three different individuals not related to each other have yeah. noticed you way above everyone else. That's amazing. I know, and then the people that I was like growing with just bypassed me. Strangers have been knocked out by you enough to give you get you on radio shows, get you on tours. I mean, you must have one hell of a voice. Oh no, look, 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 you're gonna make everyone expect to hear something like out of this world. Like, no, it's just, it's you know what? Well, you know what I mean? I've been to open nights. Most of the people there don't get any callback. I've got to tell you. Did yeah. you ever um, perform uh, Ladies First or uh, yeah. Brixton? Was it the Hootenanny? Oh, yes, I've done the Hootenanny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay. Um, so there was an event there with um, Miss Jones. Was she ever someone that you kind of came across? Or, or no, performed no, I've not come across Miss okay. Jones. Okay, because like, I, when I kind of came down to London around sort of eight, nine years ago. Um, yeah. I kind of got into like the sort of rap scene, R&B scene, okay. um, that sort of open mic night, grime, all of that kind of thing. So yeah, it's interesting. So we kind of were in the same sort of circles, but not quite in the same circle. Yeah. Some overlap. Um, interesting. Even just, just seeing that different, how different scenes use the same venues. Yes. Even that. You know, it's, it's, it's something that the diversity of course. Is, is definitely shining through there. I mean, my, um, first, my first releases were reggae music, even though mm -hmm. I grew up singing R&B. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I had no issue singing reggae because I was brought up on reggae. You know, reggae was my first love. So yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't alien to me. I always saw myself as being an R&B singer. But then with everything that I've been through in my life as well, I felt like reggae was a good fit because I was able to express myself a bit easier. That's what I thought anyway. I, th I felt like R&B was more, R&B slow jams were more kind of singing about more, I don't know, come meet me at 3am or some, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, where yeah. it's reggae, I could sing about everything. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So I felt yeah. like more free. And then I also felt like the community, because they sing about love and light a lot, I felt like the community would be more warm. Yeah. I was wrong, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Wasn't ready for that. Okay. Let's just, let's just throw out the word hypocrites. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but yeah. Really um, wasn't ready for that. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't what I expected, but it was it, it, introduction to the music scene, definitely. Um, and it allowed me to 
grow a thicker skin because although I had counselling and I felt powerful and positive, I was still a bit naive and thought like everyone was going to be nice. And it was quite daunting. Like I did, it, it did kind of almost start my depression again because when I was getting it was a, it, yeah. a lot of hate. Um, it, hate? Yes, there, I was getting a lot of hate. Wow. Um, I was getting a lot of love. But I was getting a lot of hate as well. So I'm getting so many haters out there. Sorry? Why are there so many haters out there? I just don't get why people are so uh, like their whole their whole being it seems to be so much more about hating in yes. so many different communities. It's like what is the thing about your life, some of your life being about hating people? Well, I understand that a lot of people that as they say, um happy people like is it hurt people hurt people isn't it so yeah, i know that anyone happy isn't going to call someone yeah they're not going to do yeah. that so yeah that's where it's coming from so i still feel like that's why our community does need to be healed like we need a lot of mm. healing. Mm. um so that yeah i feel like that's that's the because the hate isn't about me no, hate, no, absolutely not. Like anyone who's got hate for someone that they don't know and hasn't done anything to them obviously obviously has conflict within themselves. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's easy to forget that fact and kind of take it personal, whereas I've learned not to now. Like, <laughs> no, fair I'm not taking on no one else's crap. I've had my own crap to deal with for so long. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. To heal one person at a time, that's it. Absolutely. Exactly that. And um, it's crazy because I've got a song called Too Blessed. Okay. Um, and it was one of the songs that I had done with Stingray Records. And at the time, they was like, um, I was being told that they would be paramount in getting me out there as an artist. So they sent me this track that I was struggling to write for. And I almost was about to give up because I was with this track for about a month trying to write for this song, couldn't write the song. And I phoned um, Dilly from Stingray and I was going to tell him that I can't do it. And I was really upset because I was thinking, if I can't write to this song, he might not want to work with me again. Mm. Um, and then he didn't answer. And as I came off the phone, the whole song came to me. It was like, how wow. And yeah, the whole song, like after struggling to get even a line, um, the whole song just came to me. And I believe that the Most High gave me that song. Yeah. That song, the lyrics to that song help me when I'm in darker days. And I remember singing that song at a Galaxy FM um, community event. And a lady came up to me and said to me, I've not been out my house for years. And something told me to come to this event. And now I've heard you sing that song. I know why I had to come. I needed wow. to hear that message. Wow. Like, yeah, that, that was a wow moment for me as well. That, that was like on the right path. And then there was another time a lady reached out to me from Australia. And she said, I was in bed, weren't getting out of bed. Then I heard, and it was the same song. She said, I heard that song on the radio and it got me out of bed. Thank you so much. And that, you know, just to have something that even I say I wrote it, but I didn't. I was just a vessel. Um, but yeah, to be, yeah, it's amazing. But you did kind of write it. I know what you mean, being a vessel, but you did kind of write it as well. 
without the experiences you've been through, you wouldn't have written it. So it's it's shaped on you as well. It's not just that you you delivered it for, because it came to you. Yeah. It, it, you had to be the right vessel to deliver it. If you know what yes, I'm saying. Yes, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's just amazing that, you know, to be able to pen something and it inspire others as well as myself, you know. Um, it's one of my favourite songs to sing, Too Blessed. Wow. So if you're listening, go and type in Cassandra London, Too Blessed. Um, you can type it in on all streaming platforms, iTunes. Um, is it? It's not iTunes no more. It's Apple Music, isn't it? I'm not sure. But, okay. yeah um spotify all of them brilliant yeah too blessed so if people want to reach you on socials and connect with you where can they do that um yes on facebook cassandra london on twitter officially cassandra london on instagram cassandra underscore london underscore official those are the main um platforms social media platforms and yeah that's where i can be reached my music can be reached on all streaming platforms i've got three music videos um oh, wow. on um yeah i would have had more but there's been politics along the way <laughs> but yes um that's that's how you can reach me and check me out definitely excellent um so I'm I'm kind of guessing that you've got a wider body of work that you're either working on or working. Are you are you maybe do you have tracks that you're trying to release from previous agreements or, or something like that? Um, or... Yeah, no. I see. I've got a um a lot of work that I've done that is like it might not see the light of day. To be fair, um, wow. I don't have the rights to them because I've recorded them in other studios. Um, but it's been a learning process. I don't look at it as anything as a waste of time. And I'm sense that I'm able to write songs, you know, and some of those songs I've written without any help from others. So if I decide that I want to sing them back, then I have that right to sing them back mm -hmm. as they are my creations. But whether I will or not, I'm not sure. But I don't have any problems writing songs. Mm -hmm. um yeah i feel i think it's because of the whole writing songs from a young age you know it's it's definitely helped um yeah so and and what i've learned now is that any recordings that i do from here on out i will do in my home studio which i set up during the lockdown lockdown forced me right. to set up my own studio well, it didn't force me to. I was having a conversation because I was trying to book some studio time. And someone said to me, why don't you set up your own studio? And I thought, yeah, actually, why don't I? <laughs> and then I did. So that was that. So you, you did, obviously, um, I take it that you probably had the experience of being around sound systems, which enabled you to set it up and, and well no because i studied sound engineering engineering okay. at college remember? Okay. Okay. So that they in that course you learn how to set it up and you learn how to use all the equipment right, right. Uh, before okay. before i did that i was in a lot of studios and i would say oh what does this do because i was very um intrigued by the mixing desk 
because I'm just seeing all of these knobs. It looked very technical and it felt like, you know, it, it, to me, it looked like a spaceship. And mm. I wanted to learn it and nobody was willing to say, oh, this does this. I guess they had, they was busy trying to work. It wasn't a teaching lesson. Um, but yeah, it's forced me to go to college and I learned the mixing desk in a day. It, it really, wow. yeah, no, it, it's not wow, it's simple, <laughs> it is really simple. Well, I've seen them, they look very complicated from what I'm seeing. But this is the thing that this is why each one must teach one because one channel, once you learn one channel, you learn, you know, mm -hmm. you know, okay, yeah, yeah, because the, the thing is that was kind of like pointing at is. is having the understanding of how yeah even a, a desk works like yeah. if if you were just a pure singer and you'd never been around like in that environment and yeah. you thought oh, i want to sing like but I'm, you know i need a studio but i don't know how to set it all up like that's that's going to be a whole learning curve yeah. <laughs> a very steep learning curve at that point well um, and, and and then also <laughs> these days you don't i mean if it was now i probably wouldn't have to go to college to learn it. I'm sure there's a YouTube video. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh. You know. Um, so what what's kind of to come? What's next? Okay, so obviously I've got the tra the tracks dropping today. Um yeah. when I said I had three music videos, one of those videos is the one that's dropping today. Okay. Um, the song I wanna know. Um, I've got another music video coming for the second single that's dropping today. That This video, I'm not sure if I'm going to put it out in six weeks or eight weeks. The jury's still out. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of want the, the video for I Want to Know to marinate a bit before I just put two videos out on one day. Um, the two singles will come out, but one of the videos will take time. And then I'm still I'm working on other stuff. I'm not sure which is going to be the next release. Um, I might have like a listening, a small listening party and help get get some opinions. Good idea. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm just constantly mu working on music. Like that's, that's yeah. all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's that. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Is it going to um, be a world tour? Oh, gosh. Well, that, I, I mean... I can't say no and I can't say yes. I would love there to be. Um, it really just depends on how well the music does, you know, because tours cost money. Well, we would like to invite you to sing at our concert. Uh, we're hoping to have a concert in Cape Town at the end of the walk that Jermaine and I are going to do. Yes. Jermaine, so I should say Jermaine, Shiloh and I are going to do. Um, yeah. We're planning to walk from Cairo to Cape Town oh, wow. uh, to, to raise money for the NHS and everything. That's amazing. And we're, we're hoping at the end of it to have a concert. And it was the idea of the concert is to have South African and English music there. Oh, wonderful. So we'd love yeah. to invite you to that. We don't know, obviously, when it's going to be because it's all related to when COVID yes, no, of course. Yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely down for that. Because we want, we want to bring some stars from England over to... South Africa, so they can hear some English music as well. So that's yeah. the plan. Yes. And it'd be a great opportunity to network as well. 100%. 100%. But yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm all about supporting causes. I, that's, you know, you don't go through lives that we've been through without 
supporting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for real. I'm definitely about that. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank we'll you. We'll keep so you updated, obviously. That. Yeah, of course. And you keep us updated with your stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It was, um, it was. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be watching out for you, don't worry. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's crazy because this is the first interview that I've done where I've touched on a lot of the struggles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's good because anyone that's heard my interviews before that listens to this one will definitely get a, a bigger understanding yeah, yeah. of where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. you know. So, Jermaine, I just want to say to Cassandra, I just want to say to Cassandra, first of all, I'm really inspired by you. I think you're a huge inspiration to people. Bless you. I want you to, if you get the chance, I would like you to read a book called A Piece of Cake by Cupcake Brown. Okay. It's very similar to the struggles you've been through. Probably, you know, different sort of scenarios, but very similar struggles. But a young girl in America who went through all sorts of turmoils. Um, but it'll inspire you. It's a very inspirational book. It will help you to go to the next stage. Yes. Um, but I want to say thank you because we've been lucky to have True Genius with us today. Um, I'm just struck by the fact that complete individuals like your neighbours can just hear the beauty in your voice. Yeah. And uh, three different times at least, if not more, people have noticed that about you. So we're going to look here to what you saw and saw. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) Thank you so much, Cassandra. It's been wonderful to to have actually had a conversation with you. Um, I know we've known each other for a few years now via social media um, and kind of interacted here and there. And we've had some kind of interesting recent conversations. Um, But, yeah, to actually, you know, have that voice-to-voice kind of contact has been amazing. Um, so much gratitude for you kind of being willing yeah. to come and volunteer yourself to come and appear on this guy's podcast, uh, which we've only been running for what three months now, just yeah, over three, three months. months. Yeah. So, yeah, we've covered quite a lot of ground. Um, where we talk about diversity and inclusion and what that means, and we've got a bunch of ser- different series where we kind of explore different topics like sport and. We talk about um, what's happening with the football. Do you support football? Are you a football supporter? I mean, I I used to, I like football. I do mm. like football, but um, I don't really support a club like okay. that. I just yeah. like to watch good football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the World Cup and stuff is when you kind of really pay attention. Yeah, or or when it's like not slow. I don't. I get bored watching slow football. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like you can't get the. No one can get the ball, you know. And it's just got a slow pace. Like no one. There's no drive. So no, no just yeah. the lower team. But you know, I'm not really interested in watching Swindon play. You know. <laughs> no offense to any of our Swindon listeners. Yeah. Sorry, no. Swindon people. Sorry about you. Well, your day will come one day. <laughs> yeah, and and to and like it, I used to be like that with watching English football. Although you know some of the top teams have stepped up because they've got a lot of good players from yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of countries. Mm. <laughs> that's true. That's true, though. Everyone knows that. Yeah, so, so we were actually talking about the um, the Super League situation that yeah. was kind of attempted 
um, this week. So yeah, we, we talk about like a lot of different topics. So what, what's your thoughts on that Super League? Um, no, but one I, of the one of the things before before you say that one of the things is how quickly <laughs> everyone got together to stop it. Yeah. So what about doing that about things like racism then? Oh wow! You Why know? are you stopping on that? Why are you just stopping mm. on that? What is exactly? I mean, as a as a viewer, I probably would have enjoyed the Super League. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. problem is it would have got very repetitive and boring because it's the same teams in it every time. So you don't get the see one of the skip one of the, the joys of comp- competitive sport is that anyone could potentially beat. You know, like the idea that Jamaica have a bobsleigh team. You know, the yeah. fact that anyone could come forward and on their day win the thing. There's no fun in having a closed door where only certain teams are in because it. Mm. it loses its appeal very quickly. No, I do understand of- that. I do understand. I mean, I, I'm not like I'm not a football fanatic, so no, no. obviously those who are and and support their local team probably will be outraged at something like that. You know, I mean, I was just merely I'm looking at it as seeing the best teams play all the mm. time. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. first of all, they, they aren't necessarily the best teams. That's the first thing. Secondly, yeah. best teams go out of fashion after a while. Like they do the make, like Leeds United at one point were the biggest team in England and wow. you hardly ever hear about them anymore yeah. because they, they made bad choices financially. Yeah. You know, so, so if a team is in the best 12 and the, the deal was they'd be there for sort of 25 years. So yeah. if one of those teams becomes dreadful after 25 years, they're stuck in the top 12. You're watching them every time getting battered because there's no competition in it. Yeah. So And, and they was only allowing five teams to qualify for it. Exactly. And yeah. they would choose who they were. It's not even... So the original European champions competition was that the winners of each league across Europe, only, they were the only ones that went into it. So now, it, for the past 10 years, it became the top four. Yeah. So it wasn't even the winners in each league. But then to say that you can then invite, like, who, who what? How would that work then? You yeah. know, like, you, so so you're going to reject a team like, so I don't know, let's say Ajax in Holland, who are a great team. You yeah. reject them because they don't meet your criteria. No, that's not yeah. how it should work. Yeah, no, I hear if you. If you're good enough, you win it. That's it. It's as simple as that. You. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> You know, what I find about it is, look how quickly people mobilised around the world around it. Yeah, <laughs> and yet we still have, for example, racism in football. We have homophobia in football. We have sexism mm. in football. And mm. that's just allowed to just roll. Well, listen, mm. Boris Johnson took a break off of Corona to go and talk to the UEFA about it. Like, how, how mad is that? Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and there's the other thing. How comes these guys can travel where they want and we can't? Yeah. You know, like they, what, they immune from it? They Because they're rich and, or because they're politicians, they don't catch the virus? Well, this is the thing. I mean, so many things were shut down. The football was one of the first things yeah. to get, get back up, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. Boris's father and, has been brought three and, times. And the, yeah. And, and the thing the about virus. football is that they decided to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't a government thing. No, like, no. All the, like, <sighs> yeah, but Boris, Boris was quick to jump on that. Yeah. But, Look at the thing the week before with the sleaze. All the sleaze, like they, like Cameron could phone him up, and and the guy that worked for Cameron then went to work for Boris. What about all, sorting all that out? Yeah, you know, it's like it's one. It's because this is an easy vote winner, and they know they'll get everyone on it because everyone loves football. But but you've got to do it with everything. You've got to do it with racism. I mean, look how many comments they've had about racism of the government saying they wouldn't take a knee and things like that. Come on, 
I mean, yeah, there's that. And then the whole report to say they... Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, totally. are you serious? Like, there's no racism, there's system, systemic, systemic racism doesn't exist? Like, what are you talking so, about? So where's Boris in that one? But He's very loud about the football. Where's he in that one? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Do me a favour. This is hypocrisy at its highest level. You yeah. talked before about hypocrisy in the music, but this is... that's. This is a million times worse. Of course. Who's the guy that runs the country, for God's sake? I know. You know. He could stand up tomorrow and say, end racism, and it would virtually put an end to it. <laughs> I know, but then at the end of the day, when you're, you're talking about somebody who says that uh, Muslim women look like letterbox. Ah, well, there you go, and there you go. So that's why he's happy to win over the football vote, because he don't care about the other votes. No, doesn't. You know, um, I saw in the paper the other day, um, apparently, um, a guy left a picture of a banana on a black woman's desk, and she, it's a tribunal, and they found that it wasn't racist. I mean, how? How? Because there isn't representation, that's why. Because you can get away with those things if, if it's a closed shop. Look at all the elitist groups there are that run this country. The small clubs, the Monday clubs, all this stuff that run the country are small groups of very upper-class and middle-class white men who run everything. So women don't get representation. Anyone who's, who's outside the norm doesn't get representation. People of colour don't get representation. It, mm. it, it's a closed shop. These are closed shops. Yeah. You, know, you talk about the football being a closed shop. What about this? Well, this Where is, is the representation on tribunals so that people don't have to suffer that ridiculousness? Well, this is why education is key. We need to infiltrate the system. We need 100%. to the system 100%. to change the system. <laughs> you know? Well, listen, that's why we're doing this podcast. That's exactly what we do it for. You know, we do it about education. It's yeah. The whole purpose is to have these kind of conversations yeah. because the mainstream media won't have them. Look at this whole business with Piers Morgan. They won't have these conversations. Yeah. Mad. So we have to have them because they won't have them in the mainstream. We have to have these conversations. It's ridiculous to think this can carry on in the 21st century and we're still having discussions we should have finished a century ago. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is. And um, and and the thing is that that they know and they want to perpetuate it. That's the whole thing. You know, look look around the world. How much we're meant to get out of the fact that, that they actually found a police officer guilty for killing a black man. Yeah, even though everyone knew he was guilty because everyone right. saw it. We all saw it. That's just exactly. one yeah. Jermaine was saying to me, how many people have been killed this week? Right, but then look at the fact that we still, even though we knew he should be found guilty, we still had that thought that he might not be. That just yeah. doesn't show how bad the system is. And, and so what? So we're meant to all go away happy now that he's actually been found guilty of something he was guilty of? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You wouldn't have that in any other field. That's not. That's complete nonsense. Yeah, no, I wasn't celebrating. I, I, no. I didn't cry because it, it, it's like... This is a. I feel like this not this guilty verdict will just further prove to those who say racism doesn't exist. They say no, but look, see. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, like, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. We we need to stop racism, full stop. And and listen, it's 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 achievable if they had as much interest in doing it as they do about this this big business football thing. If they had as much interest in stopping mm. racism, it would stop tomorrow. If they had as much interest in in our lives, if our lives mattered as yes, much exactly. as Cecil the lion, exactly. you know, and all of these animals that they're fighting for, I'm not saying don't fight for animal rights, but why why are animals more important? I'm not sure if you heard about um, a lady um, or a charity that rescued loads of dogs from Jamaica um, a while back. No. And 
she yeah she booked um a, a plane or whatever and and rescued loads of dogs that was on the streets kudos mm. well done but she bypassed the people <laughs> like yeah. the, the people are always bypassed do you know what i'm saying yeah but you know what cassandra we have the resources in the world to solve all of these things but almost yeah. overnight i mean yeah. take, take take poverty and starvation we could feed everyone in the world overnight if we weren't if it wasn't about profit yeah. you know we in europe we used to have mountains of butter that we let go to waste so that the price of butter remained good for the businesses. Wow. So they let what butter rot wow. rather than give it to people. That. I'm just saying to you, we could feed the world. Yeah, no, we could. I mean, I'll give you give another example. How much land in the United Kingdom do you think is in private hands and no one's living on it or using it? Oh, loads. At least 50% is owned by the Queen, the Church and the Royal Trust. Oh, if you wow. give that land to far, proper farming, like the old farming we used to, 300 years ago, everyone would have food. Wow. If this is about greed, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, you've got to call it what it is. It's about greed. They make more money if they close things down than if they open everything up to everyone. Yes. You know, and I were talking about the virus. You know, yeah, in yeah, India, there's yeah, huge yeah. amounts of people are dying every day in India because they haven't got enough mm -hmm. breathing apparatus and they haven't got a vaccine. Yet we could around the world. If, if Mars was attacking, we'd unite as a world to get, make sure we all in it together. Yeah. If we if we gave the resources to India, that would not be happening. Yeah. It's crazy because it's like these people could still be greedy, yeah, and still feed the world. Like they could still have more than what they need. That's what I mean but, by greed. Yeah, but, but the problem is that they're not making the kind of money. To me, I feel like it's not really them having more than what they need. I feel like it's them stopping what, like, actively trying to stop others from having yeah, because they don't want to lose what they've got they, you know it's it, it's with that even with still, still, they could still be wealthy it's just madness to me but just you see the thing the way you've got to look at it is this if i gave you a billion dollars tomorrow yeah. how much of that will you ever spend in your lifetime exactly and yet these people are going away with 10 20 billion pounds how long is elon musk worth how much is he worth this is what I'm saying. It's like if they if they wouldn't miss it. So I don't think it's necessarily because they don't want to lose it because they wouldn't miss it. They just don't want anybody else to have it. Well, now, it, it works out the same thing because yeah, if, if, you, if like someone else has it, you lose it. So it's the same principle. They just, they, you know, it's like you have a big house and you have a gated community and you have police and you stop everyone getting in the house. You don't even know why. You might have a, the Queen's got 200 bedrooms. No. You can house, <laughs> how many homeless people? I'm just gonna I'm gonna try and try and simplify it to how I'm seeing it. Yeah, I've cool. got a plate of food. This food tastes really nice. I've still got half of my food left, and I'm full up. But because it tastes so nice, I'm going to still keep eating. Yeah, my yeah. bed hurting me. I can't eat no more. There's still food left down there. But instead of give it to someone who wants who's hungry, Correct. I will Correct. throw it in the bin. So it's not about me wanting it. It's about me not wanting anyone else to have it. That's Correct. a bigger issue than greed. Yeah. You and also, you're going to have that food for the rest of your life. You know that you're never ever in a situation where you're not going to have that food. Right. It will always be there. Right. It's so so really even then, you're still not prepared to help someone else. It's really bad. You know, so I feel like, I mean, I'm not sure bad mind, evil. I think those words come into it as well. You know what I'm saying? Because if you if you can see, openly see that people are starving, and see, you the one, then... the one thing I've learned from talking to you today is that the more that you 
the more that you circulate, the more you socialize, the more you learn, the more you open your mind. Yeah. If these people live in a closed mind, closed gated community, they don't learn anything. Yeah. They all they know is what they know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so you could be the most ignorant person in the world and, and never learn anything because yeah. you're scared to step outside of any of that. Yes. And I dare say a few of them are. I'm sure if we sat down with them today and chat you the three of us chat to three of them, we'd find them to be incredibly narrow minded and very opinionated about things they know nothing about. I agree. And that's what has to change, otherwise it always will remain the same as this. Yeah. But on our next single, we can bring this out. We can talk about this. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, why not? Absolutely. We can talk about what's changed since uh, now and then as well. Yes, in these in these cycles. Yeah. That we <laughs> so I ask questions like that, but I also ask questions. How come I see I switch on my TV and I see music shows, and half the people on there are so poor, and yet I'm talking to a real star today, and no one's listening. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I, no, I don't get it. It's, to me, it makes no. There's no logical sense in that. You know, I like to work with logic because it's the only thing I can govern my life by is yeah. make logical sense. Yeah. And how, for example, you're not on every show with your voice and Jermaine's not on every interview panel everywhere on TV because he's just amazing. And what I see instead is so mediocre, it's scary. Yes. I mean, I feel like the agendas play a big part in it. I'm so sure they do. Whatever the agenda is, is what, <laughs> what will be well, fair. You know what? There was a comedian that said, in England, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you think about the music you had going back 50 years, you know, the kind of new kind of music that's come out of every genre of ska and punk and reggae, and the kind of, and we end up watching X Factor. Yes. It's like, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And we brought out some of the greatest music the world, the Beatles, for example, the kind of greatest music the world's ever heard. And we're watching X Factor. Well, I feel like X Factor, I mean, it's like a, a um, you know, there's the pros and the cons, and the cons to me outweigh the pros. Way, way outweigh. Yeah, I mean, I just understand how a nation that can make amazing music from all genres of music, every single genre, reggae, everything, end up watching X Factor. Well, it's 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 crazy because X Factor has actually spurred on a lot of um, people that just want to sing, and not enough people that want to write. So there's so yeah, many yeah. singers fantastic amazing wonderful singers like you hear them sing and you know you'll view their videos online they'll go viral um but they're singing somebody else's song you know well, i'll put it like this to you if i got a million pounds every time anyone on tv sang hallelujah i'd be so rich it'd be crazy exactly <laughs> they just cover it time and time again the right. same bloody song and Instagram, TikTok, all of these, all of these yeah. platforms, you'll see so many singers, great, great singers, mm. uh, singing other people's songs. And you look at the views, and their views are way higher than my views. I and can't understand why. I really can't. Because that it just it just seems like that's what people want to hear. Like they want they don't want to yeah. hear new stuff unless it's from someone who's already famous. You know. Um, mm. And when, when it comes to other people who aren't famous, they want to hear, they want to compare you to the famous singers. So sing the famous singer songs. So it, it does people from being creative. But, but then, then you've got to think every time that happens, 
we have something like grime comes through and people artists come through through that because they push their way through past this mediocre mediocrity and yeah. they come through with a new style of music yeah. so we're saying here now cassandra london's gonna be the next star you're gonna hear listen out people <laughs> we'll see yeah. we'll see but yeah um yeah I, I just like creating music and i'm blessed to have people that appreciate my music appreciate my singing style because i don't feel like although i have influences i feel like what people gravitate to me because of is because i i sing with my own style um and yeah so so ladies and gentlemen i'd like to say thank you to the we've been with lucky and pleasure today to have the mayor angelo of singing with us today <laughs> <laughs> absolutely wonderful thank you so, so much oh bless you uh, everybody have a good day out there um we'll on your behalf we'll say thank you and blessings to cassandra because she has been just the most amazing guest um and i'll leave it to jermaine to tell you all the information you need about contacting what what yeah, so um, if you want to hit us up for any comments or uh, just looking to follow us on the social media, it's at underscore Curious Anarchy on Twitter and on Instagram. Please look out for the post, uh, Cassandra's tracks or tracks <laughs> yeah. two, um, will be out at 4pm today. Um, so yeah, look out for those. Thank you very much, Cassandra London, London, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, it's it's been wonderful, so profound. Thank you so much, and Mark as well. Thank you for joining us for having this. Well, I'm just listening to you. Sir. It's been great. Seriously. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. Thank you again. Um, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night.